Hello, my name is David Paletta, and I'm the senior leader in Mission Community Church. Before you begin watching the Sermon of the Week, allow me to pray that you might encounter God right there where you are. Father, I ask that your spirit will be present right where people are watching this video. May they be receptive to the voice of your spirit as they watch in Jesus' name. Amen. From all of us at MCC, may God bless you as you watch this week's message. Well, the message today, and it kind of follows along with the We Don't See Eye to Eye series, but it's going to be about the power of alignment. The power of alignment. Say that to somebody next to you. There's power in alignment. And, and, and it, this message kind of started with some of the guys I'd be getting together with, mostly young guys, but hey, it applies to me too. And, and I had to challenge him, there's no focus in your life. And, I'd, and then sometimes I'd carry this uh, magnifying glass in my back pocket. I'd bring props even when I have coffee with people, you know? And, and I'd say, we didn't have a lot of toys when I was growing up. We didn't have iPads. We didn't have a lot of screen things but we had stuff like magnifying glasses. And I would say, I could take this thing and I could focus the rays of the sun and I could start fires. Now don't judge me, but I just might've killed a few ants and grasshoppers too. But the point is, if it's not focused, all it does is make the things warm. If we're not focused, we might warm things up, but we're not gonna start fires. God help us. And then I thought, well, I need a better, I'm not going to talk about that. I need a better uh, thing than that. I said, well, what about lasers? I like lasers. Look, look at that thing. Lasers. Laser. Oh, wow. You know, this is pretty awesome. But the fact of the matter is, this isn't a real laser. Real lasers can burn holes in things. Real lasers can knock satellites out of the sky. Real lasers, you could shoot it to the moon and it'll bounce off the moon. And why is that? Because there's alignment. It's not like a flashlight. A flashlight, the rays go off. We're, we're more like a flashlight. Kind of the rays go off in every direction. God wants us to be more like a laser with laser focus. Thank you, Lord. And I said, well, I'm not going to talk about that. You know, they've, see, they've seen that before. I thought, well, I'll tell them about the time when my car, every time I'd get to 60 or 70 miles an hour, it would shake. Have you ever had that problem? Well, we talked about shaking earlier. Well, but it would be fine at 20 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour, but you get on the freeway and you're, you're up speed and it's, the thing's shaking. You take it into the car place and what do they say? You need an alignment. Wow. And then I remember the time I went to a chiropractor and I said, you know, my, my back's really hurting. And they said, well, let's, let's take an x-ray. This is an actual x-ray of me. Ooh, that's not a very big one here. Here's a bigger one. And they said, let's take an x-ray and see what's going on. And guess what they said? You need an alignment. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't always like the alignments, you know? I don't like the pain. I don't like what I'm going through. But those alignments are kind of challenging too. But God wants to align us today. How about that? And the fact of the matter is, this is kind of painful, just even as, as I think about it. Some of you need an alignment in your marriage. It's out of alignment. And it's when the stress comes, it's kind of like that car at, at 60 miles an hour. When the stress comes, then the shaking comes. And you say, you know, I don't think we're in alignment. I don't think we see eye to eye. I don't, I don't think there's alignment here. 
Help us, Lord. And some of you in your jobs, in your businesses, your, your, the company you work for, it's, there's not alignment. God, help us. We need alignment. Well, anyway, I'm not going to use any of those analogies, but I just wanted to mention those, the ones I'm not going to share. So the one I'm going to share today is a garden hose. And um, I don't know. I think the garden hoses are made better these days. But, but it used to always frustrate me. You know, I, I'd, I'd put it into the faucet and, uh, and I'd, I'd you know, squeeze the, the handle and not much would come out. Why was that? Because the hose had a kink in it. You ever had that happen? That's so frustrating. Or maybe just a little trickle came out and you say, what's the problem? It's not in alignment. There's, a, there's, a, there's a, a kink in the hose and it needs to be spread out. Well, anyway, we're going to see that today and I'm going to bring some volunteers up here and we're going to get this all figured out. Well, David's been talking about alignment and, uh, oh, well. <laughs> Oh, well, Joe, it's not working for me, but oh, well, there you go. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. For as the heaven is higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts, Isaiah 55. And, and David's been sharing about that, and that's a great, great verse. But what it really is basically saying is you're not aligned. Your, your thoughts are not aligned with my thoughts. Your ways are not aligned with my ways. But the more I thought about it, I thought, it's not supposed to stay that way. God wants to change our minds. He wants to change our ways. He wants, he wants us to increasingly become aligned with him and his purposes. How about that? And then I thought about this. This is, this is Jesus coming, his first message as he comes to preach. And what's he say? He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know, repentance is really misunderstood, I think. Repentance, a lot of people think it's only turning from bad stuff, you know, turning from all the bad stuff. What is that? But what repent really means is change your mind. You could say realign your mind, realign, realign. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Your ways are not aligned with the kingdom of heaven. Hmm, how about that? But there's a real positive side because when Jesus talked about the kingdom of heaven, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, he did miracles, he fed thousands. All kind of great stuff happened because of alignment. He was aligned with heaven. He was aligned with the Father. And he taught them to pray. He said, how, how are you supposed to pray? Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Your will be done. It was, a, it was a prayer to align ourselves with heaven. Wow, that's a great thing. Well, anyway, well, I need a volunteer here. I see that hand, Walton. And, um, <laughs> so, so Walton is going to be, he's an intercessor, right? Everybody knows, Walton knows he's an intercessor, and these hoses are just a problem. And here's the throne of God, Okay. And, and so Walton is going to connect us to the throne of God. You know what? I'm going to share in this message in the next 30 minutes or so, I'm going to share God's purpose and plan for your life. You say, how can you do that? Are you going to walk through the aisles and, and uh, prophesy everybody and, and say what God's plan is for their life? You know what? I don't even need to do that. 
I could. Someday we got to do that. That would be awesome. But I'm going to show you in the next 30 minutes God's plan and purpose for your life. So most of this is in Genesis 1 to 5. You know what? I, I've been working on a manual of Instruction 101, okay? And it's mostly about a biblical worldview. And George Barna has done these, his research, and he finds that very few Christians really have a Christian worldview. How about that? Many pastors don't have a biblical worldview all the way. That's sad. But Genesis 1 to 5 tells you right from the beginning what a Christian worldview is, a biblical worldview. And all the themes that go throughout the whole Bible are found in those chapters. Well, let me show you what I mean. So, <laughs> first verse in the Bible, in the beginning, God. Isn't that something? What would, it, what would your life be like if everything began with God? Every day. It didn't begin with your cell phone, didn't begin with your shower. It began with God. What would, what would happen if every paycheck you got, the very first thing you spent, began with God? What would happen if before you got married, before you started a new job or career, what would happen if everything, everything began with God? In the beginning, God. Wow. That is so powerful. Genesis 1.1. You know, we could just stay right there. It, it, would, it would preach. Wow, what an amazing thing. And so, as you're going to see, uh, I'm going to talk about Prime, our discipleship paradigm. And you know, some people think, well, Jim created Prime. I didn't create Prime. <laughs> that would be terrible. <laughs> Prime is in the Bible. Prime's in Genesis 1 to 5, and I think we're going to see that in just a few minutes here. So, the very first thing is prayer. Connection with God, and this means worship, prayer, everything about our connection with God. And it's, it's a vertical line that starts from the top and goes to the bottom. Why does it start from the top? Because God demonstrated his love that when we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He's the one that bridged the gap. Wow, isn't that something? Prayer. But you know, I have shared Prime probably like last year, probably with... Um, I, I bet probably over 100 people, like I'm talking about strangers, like waiters and waitresses. I, I carry these markers and, you know, thing. And I say, hey, give me 60 seconds, maybe two minutes at the most, and I will share what the abundant life looks like. And they say, oh, okay, okay. And I, I draw them the picture. It starts with a vertical line, connection with God. And it's a horizontal line, connection with people. And it starts to morph into a tree. There's some roots there, so you're not blown about. That's connection to truth. And then the, there's fruit. That's connection to your character, maturity. And then there's a river that runs by that, and that's connection to your purpose in life and your ministry. And you know what a lot of times they say? They say, oh, wow, that's awesome. Can I, can I keep that? But here's something I figured out. Nobody that I've shared it with has protested when I say you got to connect with God. And the problem is that I've realized, finally, is everybody believes in God, pretty much. I know there's some atheists out there. Almost everybody believes in some kind of God, some kind of higher power. The problem is, which God? Which God is it? In the Bible, there's, somebody said there's like 50 or 60 different gods mentioned. You know, the gods of the Philistines, the gods of the Amorites, all kind of gods, the gods of the Hittites and things like that. And, and so Jesus said in, in John chapter 17, verse 3, this is eternal life that they would know you the true and living God and Jesus Christ whom you sent. 
the true, the living God. A lot of gods aren't, a lot of gods aren't true. They're not living, they're dead, they're idols. America, frankly, is filled with gods. We don't recognize them, we don't see it, we don't get it. But so when we're talking about connection with God, we have to know which God. Well, first of all, it's, it's the God that in the beginning created the heavens and the earth. You know, those idols, those things that we, those celebrities, those things that we might tend to, 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 to worship or we might think are gods, they didn't create the heavens and the earth, okay? And, and this, this next slide is, is life-changing. Look at this. I uh, can't see it very well on this screen. Th this is just part of the universe, part of the galaxies. And it has a little thing here. It says, you are here. The, the, the bottom line is, there's this great, big, amazing billions and billions and billions of stars and galaxies and all that kind of stuff. And here we are. You know what the point is? You're not the center of the universe. Now, I know that's shocking to a lot of people, but you who are parents, that should be one of the first things you teach your kids because they all think they're the center. They think they're the center of the world, the center of the universe, it all revolves around them. We, we, we bring people up to be narcissists. The fact of the matter is we're not the center. It's a great big universe that God made and Jesus is supposed to be in the center. You know what was in the center of the Garden of Eden? The tree of life. In the center, it was in the center. How about that? When Jesus is in the center, things go pretty well. When he's not in the center, something else is in the center, things don't go so well. You know what, there's a lot of things. Uh, Max Fulgini put something on Facebook a day or two ago about how modern science is just beginning to catch up on what's in the Word of God and it's been there forever. Yeah. Isn't that something? Yeah. And I forget what Max said a couple of days ago, he had something brilliant. But, but you know, for hundreds and hundreds of years, scientists thought that the universe was basically static. You say, well, how did it get there? And they'd say, well, it's just always been there. Just always been there. And it's always kind of stayed the same. It's always been there. And then finally, they get all these high-powered uh, telescopes and everything, and guess what they found out? The universe started from a certain point and is expanding. They call it the Big Bang. We call it creation. But in other words, it, it wasn't just always there. It started someplace, and it's going outward. It's still going outward. It's still expanding. Isn't that something? And the Bible, how did, how did Moses or whoever wrote Genesis, how did, they, how did they know that? That's amazing. That's incredible. And, and, you know, there's a whole thing about intelligent design and stuff like that. So I just got these today. This is from my grandson, James. This is from my granddaughter, Claire, right? Now, if I just found those things on the floor, would I just say that the paint and the colors just kind of all came together and just kind of created themselves? No, I'd say there's an intelligent designer. Maybe just a three-year-old or four-year-old intelligent designer, but, but there's an intelligent designer. Well, the universe has a lot of intelligent design kind of things, right? And so here's, here's an amazing one here too. Uh, I, I never knew this until just several weeks ago. Do you know what scientists now say? Of all the great telescopes, the Hubble and the Webb and all that stuff, the most we can possibly see, the most of the universe that's actually visible is four to 5%. The rest of it is invisible. 
You say, how could they know it's there if it's invisible? Because they can see the gravitational pull and all that stuff, but there's just nothing there. They can't see anything. And the Bible said 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul said Christ is the image of the invisible God, for, for by him all things were created in heaven and earth, visible and invisible. Isn't that something? How would, how would they know that there's invisible things? Usually science is all about visible things, right? Well, 2,000 years before science ever caught up with it, the Bible's talking about the invisible things. Wow. Mm, mm, mm. So, so cool. Well, <laughs> so prime, relationship with God, connection with God. But soon after the beginning, God created people. How about that? And so the Lord formed man or mankind out of the dust. He breathed in the breath of life and man became a living soul. If you look closely at that verse, we're spirit, soul, and body. Wow, that's amazing right there in Genesis chapter 2. And, and the point of the thing, too, is relationships. There's connection with God, but there needs to be a relationship with people. That's an important thing. That's a key thing, a key ingredient. I, uh, I brought these clamps along to kind of show the problem of, see, the goal is, why did I bring this hose? So here's Walton at the throne of God, right? And there's supposed to be water that goes all the way down here. And eventually, here's, I'm given the end uh, in mind, there's, there's a sprayer down here. Well, but the problem is if you're not connected to God, which is your purpose in life, you're, you're going to, there's, there's going to be a thing. Or maybe your, your relationship with God is kind of screwed up and, and, and the water is not flowing. Well, the next thing is relationships. And you know, the interesting thing that the Bible also says, if, if you're not nice to your, if you husbands are not nice to your wife, it says your prayers will be hindered. Oh, yeah, uh oh, I see somebody under conviction back there. <laughs> and and so, so that will stop the water too, or that'll pollute the water. If you have a bad attitude toward people, eventually the water's kind of getting polluted. And even if it gets down to the sprayer, it's all polluted. Nobody's going to want to drink from it. So it's interesting. The Lord had said all through Genesis 1, he said, it's good. Wow, I made this and it's good. And the end result of Genesis chapter one, it's very good. Everything's really good. And then he finally gets to chapter two and he says, it's not good. It's not good that the man would be alone. Now, hey, I'm, I'm a bachelor. I don't get too much into that. We could have a therapy session here, but it, it's, it's okay, you know? But, but even a bachelor needs to have community. How about that? It's not good to be alone. God didn't put you on this earth to be alone. He put you on this earth to be joined in his holy temple and to be joined in his family. How about that? And so if you feel alone today, don't stay that way. God wants you to be joined with other people. And so God creates Eve and, and um, you know, you're not going to be alone. This is going to be amazing. And, and here they are in this beautiful place, this amazing garden. Everything is cool. Everything's wonderful. Everything's provided. It's like uh, two people in paradise. And you say, well, <laughs> I don't know about them, but it's not paradise anymore. Um, <laughs> well, what went wrong? Well, you know what went, what went wrong is Genesis chapter 3. 
The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? Has God really said? And so right from Genesis chapter 3, the biblical worldview kind of thing begins to be questioned, begins to be undercut. And so the same thing today. The devil's saying the same thing to, to you and me. He says, hey, I know what God says, but, you know, hey, I got a better plan. I got a better idea. If you want to be like God, hey, eat this tree that he said not to eat. And, and so that's where it gets down to instruction, is, is a, a connection to the truth. Because really, look, people today, I mean, hey, our culture has changed a lot since I was a kid. It used to be when people talked about truth, they kind of said, oh, yeah, the truth, yeah. Now, people talk about their truth. You ever heard people say that? Well, that's your truth. You know, I gotta, you got to live your truth. Look, there's only God's truth and your opinion. That, that's what it is. So you can, have your, you can have your opinion, but God says, I got the facts. I got the truth, okay? And there's so many verses we'll share in Instruction 101 uh, about truth has stumbled in the streets. There's no, everyone's doing what's right in their own eyes. Judges 21, 25. That's the kind of day we live in. Doing what's right in your own eyes basically means I'm God. I'm going to do what I want. That's pretty much where a lot of people are at today. God says, I want you to be grounded in my truth. Likewise, there's a whole lot of people that have taken a little bit of the Bible and they've added a whole bunch of stuff. And they call that synergism. You know, we're going to have a little Hinduism, a little Buddhism, a little Oprah, a little this, a little that, and we'll, we'll be in, in great shape. Well, anyway, if you see things wrong, there are consequences. There are consequences. If you see God wrong, if you see people wrong, if you see yourself wrong, I had, I had great parents, you know, I really, really did. But somehow, one of the things that got twisted is that if I, if I got a B or something on my report card, I usually got A's, they'd say, well, you can do better. You know, if I, was, I remember one day I was playing Little League Baseball and uh, I didn't play very well. I'd gone swimming all afternoon with my cousins and my dad was the coach and, and after the game he said, you really let your team down. I was like eight or nine years old, you know, I let my team down. And the bottom line is you can do better. You can do better. You can do better. Hey, <laughs> all of us, we can do better. How about that? I mean, I, I get that. And, and that is one way to motivate people. But the problem is that infiltrated, hit my view of, of my parents infiltrated into my view of, my, of God, right? And so I felt as if God was, I still wrestle with this, really, that God is always saying to me, you know what? You could do better, Jim. That sermon could have been better. <laughs> that book could have been better. You know, that, that counsel, when you were praying for those people, it could have been better. And, but you know, somehow we have to hear the voice from heaven. You're my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You're my beloved daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus hadn't even done any miracles at that point. He was pleasing to the Father. Do you know today that you're pleasing to the Father? You know, and I think about stories in the Bible about where people saw the Father wrong. The prodigal son's older brother saw the Father wrong. He said, you know, you never give me anything. 
You're, you're good to this deadbeat guy that came out of the pig pen, but you, I, I'm not getting it. The older brother saw the father wrong. That's not how the father is. The parable of the talents. The one guy buried his talents and the other ones multiply their talents. And, and when he had to give an explanation, the guy that buried it, you know what he said? I knew you were a hard and exacting man. And so I, I hid it out of fear. He saw the father wrong. If you see the father wrong, it has consequences. It, it, it changes things. If you see yourself wrong, it has consequences. The truth has truth and consequences. I think that when there was a show about that, truth and consequences, you know? So help us, Lord. So the next thing in prime, so we, we have a connection with God, connection with people, connection with truth, and the next one is connection to character. You know, discipleship is not only about how many Bible verses you could quote. M maturity and discipleship is about, do you look like Jesus? Have you been conformed to him? When people see you, do they see Jesus? Jesus said, if you see me, you see the Father. What should be when people see us, they see Jesus. That's the way it's supposed to be. But sometimes it's not that way. And, and God, I believe, even in these revivals, Asbury or whatever, God is dealing with our character. It's not just about, hey, we have this great worship time. It's about in our great worship time, he's revealing our hearts. He's shining the floodlight on us. We're saying like Psalm 139, Lord, search my heart and know my heart, know my anxious thoughts, my down, my wicked ways, the things, you know, God search my heart. And I see myself, even in this day of revival, I see myself, one of the problems being that I, I generally compare myself to other people and I feel frankly pretty good about myself. That I you know, if you weren't such deadbeats, I wouldn't be so proud. I mean, that's, I mean, that's just, just, just being honest, you know. No, I'm just teasing. <laughs> but what I realized is that comparing yourself to other people is not the, is, is not the answer, right? I, you might feel good about yourself. You might feel bad about yourself. So don't compare yourself to other people. Compare yourself to the glory of God like Isaiah did. I see the Lord high and lifted up. Oh my goodness, woe is me. You see, that's how it is. When you're in the light of his glory and grace, you say, wow, I'm a man of unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. But the other thing I'm seeing is, I can, if you say, do you have good character, Jim? I say, well, I haven't murdered anybody. I haven't committed adultery. And I'd list all the, you know, the big things. And lately, I've been in Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. It says, catch the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. And I've said, wow, I don't think I'm dealing with a lot of big foxes. But boy, those little ones, I've allowed those little things, those little sins, those, you know, if it's not just a matter of what your actions are, it's a matter of what about your thoughts, you know? And Jesus was always saying, hey, if your hand causes you to sin, all that kind of, I mean, it's, it was brutal, you know? So God wants to mature us. He wants us to be connected to his character. But here's the, here's the problem. Genesis chapter five, you know, we talked about creation. And it says, this is Genesis 5, uh, God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Hey, that, things are off to a good start. Yeah, Dan, you look like 
God, you know, you're created in God's image. You know, Mary Lou, Tesla, we look like God. This is awesome. He made us in his image. But look what happened. This is tough. He created a male and female. Now, we could give a sermon on that. <laughs> My daughter just had a gender reveal party for somebody. And uh, this is way off my notes, but I'm sorry. But, but uh, in a gender reveal party, they have blue and they have pink, you know? Well, someday the gender reveal parties are probably going to have 50 different balloons or something. Help us, God. Forgive us, Lord. Uh, he made them male and female. And he, and he blessed them. And he called them mankind in the day they were created. And look what happened then. Adam begot a son in his own image, in his likeness. How about that? Now, what's the difference? God created Adam in his image, and then Adam had sons in his image. The problem is the image had gotten messed up along the way, you know? Have you ever copied something like on a copier? You have this amazing document. Oh, it's a beautiful document. And then you spill coffee on it, right? And so you got spilled coffee and your children trying to make a copy. Well, it's a defamed or defaced document. And whatever copies you make are going to look like that. And so Adam was, you know, twisted in the image of God. And so his offspring were as well. Help us, Lord. So, so here's the good news. We're not going to end with, hey, you know, we got it twisted uh, things and we're all born into sin, all that kind of stuff. No, the, the good news is God wants us to regain our calling. You know, I said that I was going to show you our purpose. Our purpose is that the water would go from the throne of God and, and it would go all the way to a lost and needy world. I was going to have two volunteers. I was going to have some a lost and needy person down the bottom, but you know, it has to go, the water has to go through prayer. It has to go through relationships. It has to go through instruction. If our instruction's wrong, it'll mess us up. It has to go through our character, you know? And, and all these things will shape what's gonna come out the other end here. But here's the good news. God did not leave things the way they were. Right from the very couple verses after Adam and Eve sinned. Guess what happened? God said to the serpent, you know what? Um, you're going to be judged. And the woman, and this is a little complicated. The woman's seed, how many of you know women don't have seeds? They have eggs. With the woman's seed, virgin birth, her seed is going to bruise your head. And you shall bruise his heel. On the cross, Jesus' heel kind of got bruised. That's what happens on a cross. But, but the devil was defeated. And so right from the fall, right from the beginning, right from all the terrible stuff that happened, God said, you know what? I got a plan. In the end, my plan's going to happen. And God did another thing, too. Adam and Eve, I think maybe Madison or somebody mentioned, but you know they had fig leaves on, right? You know? But... The fig leaves didn't work. That's, our, that's a religious cover-up. But then it says, the Lord made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Well, what does that mean? That means there had to be a blood sacrifice. A blood sacrifice. And what did that do? That foreshadowed the blood sacrifice that Jesus was going to do on the cross that really covered sin. The Lamb of God 
who would take away the sin of the world. Wow. So right from the beginning, God had a plan. Right from the beginning. And I think uh, Robert uh, Willow or somebody shared about the blood covenant, you know, many months back. And because of the blood, he took our sins and gave us his righteousness. He took our sicknesses and gave us his healing. He took our poverty and gave us his blessings and prosperity. Because of the blood, we have this blood covenant. He took our weaknesses and gave us our, his strength. He took our sadness and gave us his joy. He took our weariness and gave us his rest. He, the great exchange happened. But it happened way back in Genesis, you see. God had a plan. He didn't just think of it later. He had a plan. It's amazing stuff. Well, so look what happened. We finally get to engagement. The picture of engagement is that a river runs past this tree, right? And you think, well, yeah, Jim, where did you come up with that? Here, I'll show you where I came up with that. Genesis chapter 2, verse 10. Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden. And from there it parted and became four riverheads. What is God's purpose for your life? It's to be connected to him, to have good relationships, to have his instruction, to ha let him change your character. And then you get to the river where you get to share his love, his glory, his, his uh, power to a lost and needy world. The thing is I can share that is God's purpose for your life. The only thing I can share is, where are you supposed to spray? So, some people, your main ministry might be in the church. But many, many, many people, their ministry is supposed to be in the business world, the media world, the education world. You know, they call it the seven mountains. I can't remember of them, all of them all the time, but uh, entertainment world, the family um, he wants you to spread his glory everywhere. And, and so you need to know where, where has he called you? Where has he called you to share his glory, to do things? And let me show you just a couple more verses about that. God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply and what? Fill the earth. I love that. Fill the earth. You know, the trouble is, we as, as believers, we tend to just huddle in one place. He said, fill the earth. Go forth and multiply. You know, who are you multiplying with? You know, who, who are you pouring your life into? All of us are supposed to preach the gospel, share with people, and also supposed to build disciples. Multiply, multiply, multiply. But part of that whole principle is to fill the earth. And somebody just uh, posted something on Facebook from Francis Chan. He said, believers are like manure. He said, if it's, if it's spread out, it's helpful. <laughs> if it's all in one place, it just stinks. <laughs> fill the earth. Fill the earth. Fill the earth. Wow. Help us, Lord. I want to point out something else about this that's so basic, so important. It said, God bless them. Do you know what? As the Jesus Revolution movie is going to come out in about a week, right? I was saved in the Jesus movement, right? And you'll see in that movie that it was basically a bunch of hippies getting saved. Well, I wasn't a hippie, but I was influenced by that thinking. And you know what the hippies all thought? 
They were anti-materialism. Money doesn't make you happy. Our parents are all rich and didn't make them, you know, blah, blah, blah. So we should go the other direction. We should be in poverty or something. You know what? I basically had the poverty mindset. You know, instead of realizing God wanted to bless me, I thought if I had anything, it was wrong, you see? See, how you think affects how you live. We're supposed to believe Genesis 12, verse 2, what God said to Abraham. He said, I want to bless you, and I want to make you a blessing. I don't want the... So so some people want to be blessed. The problem with the prosperity message is sometimes it's like it's all about me. I want to be blessed. And, and, and so the, the hose is, see, look at this. It's all wrapped up in itself. It's all kind of goes in circles. It's all narcissistic. I want to bless you, but I want to make you a blessing. You see how that goes? You're supposed to be a blessing. You're supposed to be blessed to be a blessing. But if, if, he's, if you're not blessed, can't really be a blessing very much, right? Well, anyway, I hope that made some sense. But that's something I've dealt with, you know? Uh, can, can you stand to be blessed? God wants to bless you more than you can imagine, more than you can dream or fathom. God wants to bless you. And lastly, we're getting to the end here, really. Uh, here's where it's all headed. You know, I, I don't know about you, but it, it gets frustrating watching the news or being on Facebook and, and seeing news because it looks like the bad guys are winning most of the time. I mean, I'll just be honest. That's how it looks. It looks like the devil's winning. It looks like uh, evil's taken over. It looks like truth is being uh, discarded. I mean, it's just pretty bad, you know? And it is. It really is. But I, here's a verse to end with. Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 14. Here's, here's where it's all headed. Doesn't look like it's headed this way, but here's where it's headed. I don't know if this is going to happen just after Jesus returns. I don't know how it's going to happen. But the earth will be filled. Filled. Remember, we've been talking about that, right? Go and fill the earth. Fill the earth with my glory. Fill the earth with blessings. Fill the earth with God's presence and his his glory. The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Now, that's a lot of glory. (laughs) That's a lot of glory. That's like deep, you know? That's not just a little dabble, do you, a little sprinkle, you know? And I thought, well, how's this going to happen, Lord? That's going to take Billions or billions of believers all spraying their little dabble do you, you know, kind of stuff. You know, how's that going to happen that it's going to be that deep as the waters cover the sea? And it is partly going to be, I mean, he, we're participants in this thing. Yes, it's going to be because water comes out of the hose that we're holding. Uh, just a little off the track here, but Ephesians 3.20, how many of that's one of your favorite verses? You know, God wants to do exceedingly abundantly beyond or measurably more than we can ask or imagine. But it doesn't end there. What's the rest of that verse say? According to the power that works in us, you see. That's what it says. Read the whole verse. God's going to do these great things. He can do more than we can dream or imagine through the power that works through us, through the hose, through the conduit. He's going to do that thing. But then I saw something that, that undercuts my entire message today. Um, I was praying about that. I said, Lord, how's it going to be that deep? How's it going to be glory that's going to be like the waters? The seas are pretty deep. And I said, 
I, I saw the Lord. I saw me with like my little hose and thing, you know, trying to be faithful, trying to, you know, spray where I'm supposed to spray. And then I saw like Niagara Falls just coming from heaven, this huge outpouring, this huge tsunami. And the Lord said, thank you for your faithfulness. I'll take it from here. <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know how that's going to happen, but uh, it's going to happen, you know. So the good news is we're going to win. You know, read, read Revelation chapter 22, and guess what you see? A river. <laughs> There's a river, and the tree of life is there, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations, and all the stuff that they forfeited through their sin in Genesis 1 to 5. Here it is. God has restored it. Genesis, uh, I mean, Revelation 21.5, Behold, I am making all things new. Thank you, Lord. So help us, Lord. So I hope you've signed up for Prime. If you haven't, today's a good day to do that. It's a, you get, it starts this Wednesday. Also, if you have signed up for Prime, get the book on the way out that's appropriate to the one you've signed up for. But you see, if, if you are devoted to prayer, relationships, instruction, maturity, engagement, if you're consecrated, as David preached on last week, you will bear fruit. You will have impact. You will make the world a different place. And, and all these things can increase. Your prayers can increase. Your relationships can get better. Your knowledge of his word and rootedness, your fruit can increase. And your engagement can impact more people than ever before. How about that? Is anybody glad about that? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Well, why don't you stand with me? We're going to end on this song and uh, just see where it goes. But it, it basically says, Lord, we're, we're going to make room for you. Are you willing to make room for this kind of stuff? Are you, are you ready to make room for God to use you like he's never used you before? You know, it's not a spectator sport, right? It's a matter of engagement. It's a matter of being connected to him and letting his glory and his river of life flow throughout, uh, through you to our lost and needy world. Thank you, Father. We give you thanks, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hey, thank you for watching the Sermon of the Week. We pray that you were blessed by it and you felt prompted to act upon what the Spirit of God was saying to you. If you live in the Charlotte area, we would love for you to come and worship with us at one of our weekend gatherings. That way you can find out more about our church family and what we value most. We encourage you also to give to our ministry so that we might continue spreading the gospel of Jesus to our city and throughout the world. To do so, you simply go to missioncommunity.cc click on the Give button, and the rest is simple. Lastly, I would encourage you to check out the remaining content on our YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe. That way you will receive all of the reminders for fresh content that we put out. Have a wonderful rest of your day. May God bless you and thank you again for watching this week's message.